Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Chris Evans here. A big thank you for downloading our Virgin Radio podcast. Coming up on this week's edition of The Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky, Rufus Sewell discusses the new BBC One thriller, The Pale Horse. Tam France and Alexa Chung talk us through their new Netflix show, Next in Fashion. And Gabby Roslin tells us all about her Radio 4 quiz show, Gabby's Talking Pictures Going on Tour. Plus Louise, Armando Iannucci, Lucy Hawkins and so much more, all on the way. Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, Posh and Becks, Fish and Chips, great things come in pairs, and our next guests are both great and a pair. The new Netflix <laughs> show, Next in Fashion, arrives on Wednesday, and here to tell us all about it are the fashion world's latest power couple. It's the gorgeous Tan France and Alexa Chung. All right, you two. Hey! <laughs> I'd like to believe the gorgeous Tan France and Alexa Chung was the gorgeous for me. Yeah, you're more gorgeous. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, great. Both gorgeous. <laughs> now, I saw your show yesterday. Okay, uh, get ready for this one, everybody, because it's coming your way and it will barely fit in your living room um, it barely fits in the set you massive sound stage it's, yeah. I think it's a cross between like um, Master Chef and Bake Off on steroids yeah. and the Aviator the movie because it looks like an aircraft, uh, an aircraft hangar, hangar yeah. uh, it's, it's all going on and London Fashion Week and, and um, Pret-a-Porter it's, it's fantastic <laughs> before we talk about the show how well did you two know each other before you did the programme we'd met once at a party where I was drunk and yeah we <laughs> so met you once were just at a party I was at a party was redundant yeah Yes. Yeah. Was it in America or was it in London? It was in London. London. Tan walked into... We were at a Victoria Beckham Fashion Week party, both alone, unsquite. Like, we didn't have yeah, anyone. Yeah, no, uh-uh. And when Tan walked in, I screamed into his face because I, <laughs> I was a huge fan of Queer Eye. So yeah. I was like, ah, it's that guy. Um, and, yeah. And then I... Uh, confess my undying love for her. I've been a fan of hers for years. Tell us why. Tell us why you like it so, so much. So um, she was on this music show 15 years ago and I just thought she was the most incredible host. Um, why did you like the way she... Because I agree with you, but do, why did you okay, like it? Here's, here's my thing. I think this is probably too much for this time of the morning, but in, I, I've lived in America for the longest time and their hosts, uh, their female hosts are always expected to be um, twee and sweet and... Um, and just, they're not... <laughs> like, no, 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 not at all. Uh, Alexa gets to be a complete person, which yeah, I love. Yeah, yeah. Like, she was somebody that you could see hanging out with, not just, oh, she's the person who's going to make me feel bad about my life because she's so perfect and I'm not. Yep. Whereas Alexa's just a real girl and a bloody hilarious. Yeah, you are very, very funny. And you're funny straight yeah. off the bat with this thing as well. Um, because uh, with a c- cut into the chase quickly, and we'll get back to it in more detail in a moment or two. Um, the winner of this competition, um, um, Next in Fashion, wins $250,000. And you Im- you immediately jump over to the competitor side and say, well, oh, well, right, OK, well, I'm in there. <laughs> straight, you're very funny. Very Oh, thanks. Very thanks funny. for it. No, but it was because I needed the money. So, 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 well, I presume that. So each show's an hour long. Um, I, I etted up yesterday. It's not my kind of thing, but yeah, I still yeah. loved it. Thanks. And um, and I thought, God, my wife is going to love this. All her friends are going to love this. Uh, my daughter's going to love this. So many people are going to love the show because so much happens in an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So first of all, tell us um, tell us about the, the casting of the contestants. Who do you have on the show as contestants? 
We have uh, designers from across the world, 18 designers. Who have done proper stuff already. Yeah, they? and that, I think that's the, the point that's different about our show is that they are established designers. Some of them have worked for major fashion houses. Some of them have their own brands that are very successful. So we're not just taking people fresh out of school. Yeah, they're not cute, cute mm -mm. rank amateurs. The, yeah. These are all professionals who have dr already dressed people like, for example... Beyonce, Michelle, Michelle Obama. Obama. Uh, every uh, major A-lister you can think of, most of them have dressed at some point, which is bananas yeah they're very very accomplished they just haven't had the opportunity to to make it as a global name yet mm -hmm. so yeah. that's what we're highlighting and most people don't who don't work in the fashion industry don't realize that the person you see as the face of that brand often isn't the person who's physically making that garment whereas the contestants we have on the show are actually physically making those garments so right. they're okay. highly skilled okay and so you have these amazing contestants who are professionals they've done this before they do this for a living they've dressed almost everybody you've ever heard of if not everybody you've ever heard of and then they go up against each other challenge number one is the red carpet yeah, yeah. tell us about that come on um, so yeah, the first challenge is one of the more difficult ones, I guess, if you're a designer, which is to create a, a red carpet moment, essentially. And uh, the problem, I mean, the challenge that they have on top of that is that they're working with people that sometimes they've not worked with before. And this is just straight out the gate. They have to try and figure out what their vision is in a really short space and strengths and weaknesses and things like that yeah. and you see them sketching and you see the genius of their hand and yeah. I, fa I immediately found that fascinating yeah. and then um, you, you sort of drop the fourth wall and there's this amazing um, it's like a, an Aladdin's cave of, of, of fabrics yeah. <laughs> yeah. which wouldn't normally get me excited <laughs> but it's pretty colossal and comprehensive isn't yeah. it yeah uh, we wanted the we and the production company wanted the show to feel spectacular like you want it to be a feast for the eyes and it really is like even we were shocked when we first walked onto the set it just felt massive like really impressive yeah the runway shows are really impressive yeah well. and it's the first time that's been done on a show before a digital runway this way it's just beautiful so, so every show finishes with a fashion show and yeah. like yeah. you say they're only 40 odd minutes long so there's mm -hmm. so much in each episode yeah. uh, so you say on the show and I wrote it in my little book here uh, <laughs> conceptualise sketch sew and show yeah. oh <laughs> okay you know, it's not for me but it gets me excited I love it <laughs> it's clearly for you you're getting very excited well, look Look, yeah. I even had to turn the page. Look, it's quite incredible. I was whittling away. And, uh, and you just told me off the air that this was all shot on Brad Pitt's lot. lot. Yeah. He's yeah. got his own lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I he know. is Brad Pitt. I don't know if it's I'm not sure, but it's also the lot where... Oh, I shouldn't say... No, go on. Oh, yeah, it's it. the lot where The Golden Girls was filmed. Which <laughs> I didn't know until two days ago and it made me very emotional because I just got into The Golden Girls last year and it's probably one of the best shows Ever. Of course it is. It was huge. Incredible. Huge Hilarious. Did they, bring, did they bring it back for a while? I think they did. Oh, gosh, I hope so. Mm. So Brad Pitt, what, did he turn up? Did he pitch up he, at all? Yeah, Brad, uh, I saw him <laughs> once, but like he hadn't been present for any of this filming, <laughs> obviously, and we were in a different space yeah. to that. But I was outside having a cig, and someone came to fix my mic, and they were like lifting up my dress. I said, do you mind doing this out here, or should we go inside? I was like, whatever. So I'm smoking a fag. <laughs> and his <laughs> car pulled up, and I was like, that's a stupid car. And then <laughs> Bradford got out, and I had my skirt up over my thing, blah, blah, blah. Someone was putting the mic on, and... Uh, I just sort of waved at him. He really barely glanced at me. It was like I was a you know, I've discarded met him a few times. bin. I, re I really like Brad Pitt. I think yeah. if you met him a few times, you've met him no, but I'm sure he's lovely. He's a queer I found, which makes me very happy. So I assume he's a lovely person. Uh, you two can go now. You've got to go because you're on a schedule. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So much. You are more thank than welcome. You. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If dashing good looks could kill, then we'd all be done for. This dreamy-eyed gent stars in BBC One's brand new adaptation of The Pale Horse, and he's here to tell us all about it. 
it. Please welcome a man whose cheekbones are officially registered as lethal weapons. It's the really rather cool Rufus Sewell. Morning, Rufus. Blimey. Hello. How are you? Very good, thank you. Uh, Rufus, The Pale Horse, it airs on the weekend of the Academy Awards. Uh, it's a two-parter, an Agatha Christie, uh, Agatha Christie adaptation. Is it Sunday... on the same time as the, the Academy yeah, Awards? But, yeah, but nobody watches the Academy Awards. Don't worry about <laughs> that. Nice. Uh, Sunday night <laughs> affair at 9pm, and yeah. that's our time over here. So, no, don't worry, you'll be fine. That's the first part, second part, a week after. Yeah. Uh, I watched the first part yesterday afternoon, the first day yesterday afternoon. And I don't think I've ever seen a more dramatic 40, opening 47 seconds of a TV drama ever before. Do you concur with that? I do. I can't remember <laughs> what the first 40 seconds are, but you're definitely right. Well, it's your character. Oh, yeah, then in that case, definitely. Okay. <laughs> it's your character and, and his fiance. Yeah. And she goes to oh, a yes, seance. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that takes 10 seconds. And then I can't, I'm not going to say what happens no. next because it's just too good. Yeah. And you go. Well, that seems to be it, and that was 47 seconds. What the heck's going to happen for the next couple of hours? Yeah. And then it begins to unfold. Mm. Over to you, Rufus Sewell. Yeah, well, this is it's an Agatha Christie, it's called The Pale Horse, and it was written in 1961, which is unusual um, for Agatha Christie because you don't really associate her stories with that period. So it's, it's like the world um, of a single man. Have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. And it's actually, like yeah. when I read it, it read like a cross between a single man. Um, Jacob's Ladder um, and the, the Wicker Man, maybe Midsummer. Oh, wow. Now, is that, is that when you read really the novel? Wicken vibe. Is that yeah. when you read the novel or the no, adaptation? No, I read. No, I read the adaptation first right. because you know, primarily, I, I love, love Agatha Christie. I've always, you know, kind of wanted to be in one, but it was a Sarah Phelps version that I really because I read it, and I have to say, my girlfriend was driving towards it because I was running out of time before I had to make a decision because it came quite late, and I had to when I got to the end of it, the last four pages. I was kind of in shock and I had to read them again <laughs> to work out if I just read what I thought I'd read. Yeah. Um, and then I just said, oh, bloody hell, I'm doing this. <laughs> you know, it was one of those moments. Uh, so, so it is in the 60s. Um, was it part of it filmed in NoHo? Because I think I walked across your set when it was being filmed on no, a sunny day. No, well, Isn't there a scene in A Square in London? No. Well, where's That's the... actually um, in Bristol where we were filming. Okay. There's little bits of Bristol that look kind of Mayfair-like. Right. Okay. Now your character, Clifton um, Village, in fact. Okay. Your your character is he dastardly or not? Because he doesn't. See, you want. You what's th interesting about him is you're not quite sure. You're not quite I sure. Mean, at you all know what I like about it is that he's seemingly very sophisticated and elegant, yeah. and the the car looks great, and the suits the and the women, amazing. all that. All the 1960s. But it all is the cars that kind amazing. of empire thing of like he is the kind of one of the master of the universe. But in order to keep you know, all these antiques in his house, because he's an antiques dealer. I think it's kind of symbolic that the antiques, you know, there's probably murder and plunder involved in these these things. Mm -hmm. People were killed for them. They were stolen from other countries. And there's this whole underbelly of brutality mm. that keeps that kind of elegant swan on the surface. And the second part of it is where all that comes out. Well, it's got to come out, because all the all, the first hour is the planting of all the seeds, and you think, yeah. I don't care which of these seeds pops up in the end, because they're all so, so sort of gorgeous from a mysterious point of view. So your character finds his name on a list of people who oh, end yeah, up... the plot, I forgot that. Yeah. Okay, people end up dying. Yes. Uh, they all start to die, but none of them seem to be murdered. And one yeah. of the things that happens before they all die is their hair starts to fall out. Yes. And then you figure out that uh, in much deeping, there may be some witches. Um, yes. that may in an old pub called The Pale Horse. Which is we... what the... Which is what the, the, yeah, yeah. the it's the, a classy talks. final destination. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Got it. <Yeah. laughs> I'm in. So um, we, well. can't, we can't say... 
you are married in this. You are married, and your <laughs> wife is. She's she's on the she's she's in the in the show. You may have been married before. Okay, don't want mm-hmm. no spoilers there. Uh, but um, he, he, the guy also has a roving eye and a wandering soul, which is ex- is ex- is excuse for his roving eye, yes. uh, with a showgirl who is a secret heir to an unbelievable fortune. Yes, yes. Uh, but she doesn't like that, so she's kind of trustafarian of the time. You yeah, know? so she's gone. She's gone to the showgirl side. Yes. Maybe yeah, so she's working in a kind of Raymond review bar thing, but she's actually a society girl who's, you know, right. angry at her parents. Right, so everybody's good. good. So that's it. I suppose, I suppose um, we don't really need to talk about it anymore. No, we'll just keep saying when it's on. Yeah, How I'm are good. you, by the way? How's your life? Very well, thank What's you. What's going on? What's Tell me about um, it. I've seen you for like a year. Well, I've, I'm living in LA and um, I'm Ooh. just about to go to oh, Australia to do something that I'm not allowed to talk about, but I'm going on Monday. Right. Um, and yeah, things are good. I'm a dad in LA. Basically, that's where I go to kind of be a dad. And good. when I come here, it's a bit more showbiz. Okay, good. Isn't that, that's, that's ironic, isn't it? Because yeah. one might think it was the other way around. I love watching you because I, lo- I really like you as a person. I always have done as a human being and we've, and we've known each other for ages. But I re- I'm really pleased for you. In, that may sound patronising. I hope it doesn't. Not no, it doesn't. To. I'm quite pleased to hear it. And, and <laughs> when I see you in this, I go, oh, he's getting close. He's getting, you're getting closer to, to where you've always wanted to be. Yeah. And that's what I feel when I watch you in this. You're brilliant in this. Oh, brilliant in it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's very nice. I mean, you've actually always been really nice. to I've really appreciated it from early on. I remember the first time we met and you, you know, I remember our first conversation. I gushed. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it was, to tell you the truth, it meant a lot to me, you know. Um, but for me, I do feel like that because, not because of one part so much, but because I'm getting the chance to do lots of things that are wildly different. I mean, for me, doing Man in the High Castle and Victoria at the same time, going back and forth, for me, when I say my attitude towards my career is different now. It's really because when that happened, I suddenly realised in terms of a statement of intent, I couldn't get more clear than that. And if people, if, 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 if people get that or not, isn't really my business. Yeah. I sh- I'm wasting my time if I'm trying to, you know, say never complain, never explain. Yeah, yeah. It's the be- also a good idea to have about what you do in your life. You don't wait to get the thumbs up or the thumbs down. You have to judge things in your own way. And you know? also, the the less big you make your actual life, the yeah. less, which is all fiction anyway, the more you have left to give from your from the point of view of your job, and that's what I see now. I see all of that nonsense having disappeared, and also almost having reversed it itself back into the atom from whence it came. Exactly, a kind of simplicity of life, yeah. and I've realised that my best protection from a career I don't want is a life that I do want. Oh, oh, lovely. Let's have a bit of that, shall yeah, we? Yeah, you know. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Her brilliant radio form movie quiz, Talking Pictures, is so good they couldn't just keep it on the radio. Two live dates at the Leicester Square Theatre in London sees up-and-comers like Stephen Fry and Hugh Dennis joining in the fun. What a lineup! Please welcome the lady that puts it all together. It's the wonderful Gabby Roslin. Good oh. morning, Gabs. Thank you. Good morning. Well yes. done, well done. So tell us more, please do. We're going live. We're actually doing this live. And um, it's completely true that I talked to you last year. I said, do you know what? What do you think about me doing it live? You said, do it. Just do it. So we have. Literally, we have. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you done one yet as a no, practice? No, the 2nd of February is our very first. So it's, I suppose, if you like, it's our pilot one. But we got one on the 2nd of February and one mm. on the 22nd of March. And the scary bit is that I didn't think of when I was talking to you about it, Chris, was... Selling the tickets. It's it's 
really quite scary selling the tickets. But we have an amazing lineup. So for the very first show, we have Hugh Dennis, as you just heard, yeah. Ben Miller, mm-hmm. Sally Phillips, mm-hmm. and Stephen Fry. Well, that's not terrible. And Sarah Hadland and Tom, uh, John Thompson are our team captains. And Alistair McGowan and Ronnie Ancona are doing the impressions. Wow. So it's all about movies. And as you know, it's all about... Everybody has a film that they love. And if you think about that, it's as simple as that. And then Ronnie and Alistair revoice the very famous film scenes. And um, Stephen will be trying to guess the films. And we've got a round just for Stephen Fry. It's uh, Stephen Yes or Stephen No. Love it. Okay. Very no, simple. Unless it's square theatre. It's not, it's not like Wembley Stadium. This is going to sell out in no oh, time, isn't so it? Oh, it's so frightening. We've got a few tickets left for the second. Right. And then we've got another one on March the 22nd. Yes. Where um, I'm not allowed to announce the guests yet, but live on air, I would like to ask you if you would be a guest panellist, please. You know so much about movies. Is it What day is it? A Sunday night, seven till nine. It's an early School to bed. Night. Yeah, but you can get to bed early. No, no, fine. If I'm allowed, if Mission Control says yes, then I tell am there. Tell Tash you can come as well, well in no, the audience. No, t- I never tell Tash any. Ask Those Tash. two words don't go together. <laughs> can I ask tell, Tash? T- you can, yeah, please do. I will. And also, there's a, a few other questions that if, I would like you to pose to I her as well. Happily. They've been you know for I adore a little, her. Like, no, pending for a very, very long time. I adore Tash, I will. I so will. both Sundays, yeah? Yes. So uh, February the 2nd. What a lovely thing to do on a Sunday. 20 second. Okay. Exactly. That's why we thought. Oh my goodness. Way so to start how the week do people get tickets? Let's just give out the, the, the Leicester Square Theatre box office. Right. Leicester Square Theatre box office dot what? Anything? Uh, it's www.leicestersquaretheatre.com, oh, I would presume. I don't know. I think you have it on a piece okay. of paper. Second, in front of you. 2nd of Feb. All oh, right. It's my fault. 2nd of February and Go the on, 22nd Bass, of March. It's leicestersquaretheatre.com. I was right. Right. Yep. right. You tell me a better night out on a Sunday in Great Britain, all the world in February, other than maybe the Academy Awards, uh, but it's, it takes longer. the same day. Takes longer to get there. No, I'm just saying in February <laughs> than that. There it's is impossible. No, there is no better night out than that. For Rachel says she's coming. She's going to come with Alex to watch, and the team behind the glass have all said they're coming on the 22nd well, of March. Well, they, no, way, with you. Don't get them in for in free. The don't let them in for free. No, I don't have any free tickets. tickets. Good, perfect. But okay. you're coming to be on the panel, which will be great because right. you know more about films than most people. I don't I really. Know. I don't. I used to. I don't know about about you, Rufus uh, Seal, but I used to know a lot about films, and I always wanted to work in films, and then somehow. I ended up here, but I'm now going back to films. Like so, the other night, I watched um, the new the, the film, The Marriage Story, mm-hmm. which is up for I uh, haven't lots seen of awards. It, it is unbelievable, it's amazing, and it's written and directed by Noah, Noah Baumbach, Baumbach yeah. who wrote and directed Squid and the Whale, which is one of my favourite films of all time. So I watched Marriage Story, and then immediately afterwards, just went to watch Squid and the Whale, and it was better than I remembered it. And isn't mm-hmm. it wonderful when a film's like mm-hmm. that? Uh, Gabby, when you're doing your show, when you're doing uh, Gabby's Talking Pictures, which is going to be live at Leicester Square, that are already sold out Sunday second uh, of Feb, uh, Sunday twenty second of March. Uh, tickets still available twenty twenty. Um, you go to um, what is it called again? It's Leicester Square dot com. Which movies do you have the most fun with? Which uh, which genre? Uh, probably for me personally, my uh, favourite that I can't help putting in every single show is Harry Met Sally. <laughs> it is my favourite ever I, I, I film. honestly thought you were going to say that. Well, you know me quite well, really. Uh, and it's my favourite film. How often do you watch When Harry Met Sally? 
I've probably seen it about, if I'm really honest, I've probably seen it about 120 times, I would think. Because we had a lady on the show who's written a whole book about Dirty Dancing, you know, the comedian. Yes, 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 yes. And actually, Dirty Dancing, I love, and we do have fun with that one as well. And we have fun with Grease. I mean, there's all of those films. But I think very much the sort of 80s and 90s films you can have great fun with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and obviously, some very modern day ones. But with Stephen Fry, we're gonna we're going back a bit as well. We're going to go to some very old films. Katie Brand is the lady I'm talking about. Are you, would you, are you tempted to, would you write a book about when Harry met Sally? Would you go back and would you find things out? I was out? in the play as well, so I was able to play Sally and do that scene. What scene do you mean? <laughs> well, what the scene? Very, the very last... Um, is uh, it works on radio? Matt, I'm not going to do it now. I have, we did it on The Big Breakfast, and they made me do it on The Big Breakfast, but with Billy Crystal. <laughs> they didn't make you they do did. it. I loved it. With Billy Crystal, they which was They made me do it with something. Billy Crystal. It was fun. Um, but, but the last matinee we did, I did it for 14 minutes minutes because I wanted to see if I could make my co-star laugh. He still didn't laugh. I tried. <laughs> 14 minutes? 14 minutes of hitting the desk and saying yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Right, well, we've all got With quiet backing now. With a hearing aid. <laughs> Where do we get? Rachel, advise me what to do next. Move on, Christopher. So Gabby Roslin here uh, with us, and also uh, we have Rufus Sewell here with us. Now, you two have known each other for ages. Gabby's favourite film in the world is When Harry Met Sally. So when did Gabby meet... Let's do it the other way around. When did Rufus meet Gabby? We were <laughs> we were out late um, at uh, a members club in London, and I was sitting next to Rufus, and we were the mutual friend. Yeah. And uh, the friend said, "Oh, this is my friend Rufus." And I said, "Oh, hello. What do you do?" And he said, "I'm an actor." I went, "Oh, right." He said, "You do a show called The Big Breakfast." I said, "Yes." He said, "I'm on it tomorrow morning." Oh! I think I said I'm on it in a couple of hours. Yeah, I was very embarrassed. And then he came on the show, and we sort of didn't look at each other. Oh, no, I didn't know who you That's were. Really sorry. My shifty little pink eyes in the morning. <laughs> what were you on to promote? I, can't, I have no I idea. Trying to find 20, out. It's no 26 idea. years ago or something. 26 years ago. Yeah, I'm, 26? What were you doing? Yes. 26, no. No, it wasn't 26. 28 years ago. Well, no, but he didn't come on in the first week. How do you know? You were out till three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you could have been on for the first month every day. You wouldn't have known. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We've heard from three guests already, but there's loads more still to come. Louise talks about her brand new album, Heavy Love. Armando Iannucci tells us about his brand new Sky One space comedy, Avenue 5. Lucy Hawking discusses her new children's science book, Unlocking the Universe. And James Smith reveals how we can get healthier with his new book, Not a Diet Book. All that and more, but first, Dapper Dave, who's next? Our next guest has had a hand in the thick of it, Alan Partridge and Veep to name but a few. Basically, he really knows what he's doing. His new space comedy, Avenue 5, launches into orbit Wednesday on Sky One. So without further ado, please welcome the multi-award-winning comedy supremo that is Armando Iannucci. Good morning, sir. Good morning, and thank you for that. Well, you're very welcome. Um, <laughs> right, pitch this show to us as if you were pitching it to some uh, TV execs. 
Um, it's a comedy set in space, but it's not really sci-fi. It's an existential nightmare, but done with a light touch. It's um, it's uh, it's set 40 years in the future. It's the first cruise tourism cruise trip round Saturn and back. Yep. Normally takes eight weeks. Something goes wrong. It takes three years. Right. And you're then stuck with 5,000 people you have nothing in common with. I and mean, where did, you have to start did, afresh. As a seed, where did that come from? Uh, lots of things. I mean, I'm a big sci-fi fan. I love, I love sci-fi, but not the kind of aliens and teleportation. The, the kind of the, the the hard stuff, the stuff where you just have to grapple with gravity, for right. example, things like that. How how space really works. Yeah. So that's the sort of nerd in me. But I also think, I think, um, I just like. I like crowds. I think crowds go insane <laughs> and can be funny when they go insane. Or people, lots of people trying to decide what to do at very short notice can be quite funny. So I thought I'd marry the two. We were talking over the weekend yeah. about um, Back to the Future and about the fact that they set the, the time machine to 2015. And then yes. four or five years ago now, four and a bit years ago now, yes. uh, all the papers did things from, you know, what came true from Back to the Future. And then, of course, in our childhood, Amanda, there was um, Space 1999. 1999, where the moon... Goes off for a wander. Yeah. And uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. And the danger is giving these things a date. You are I then know. saying these things are going to happen. And then when they don't, you look at... I mean, the dinky toys were brilliant, but none of it actually none came... Of it came true. We still don't have hover boots. No, and you, but you've chosen... So I'm getting to the question is, yes. you've chosen 40 years from 40 now. 40 years. So, that, so I won't be a, I won't be around <laughs> there. Well, you might to be. To answer the question. You're looking well. You'll only be 93. <laughs> Mum and Mary's 93. You have to survive the Blooming War. That's right, yeah. Um, so do you think... Yeah, I'll be on series 40 then. Do you think in 40 years, time this could happen oh space tourism yes no, I mean, to this extent on a massive cruise liner uh, yeah except i mean the hard reality is because i went round. i went round like nasa i went round virgin galactic i went round spacex res- research as research <laughs> ask the question and and yes <laughs> but you will be terribly sick that's that's the truth that comes out of it is right. that the moment you leave earth's atmosphere and you start floating the first thing you want to do is oh. i'm sorry is it put people off their breakfast but you want to vomit but we kept that out of the show because I think that would be unpleasant yeah but there'd be an anti-vomit pill by then surely oh, wouldn't sure, there I'm sure All right. uh, with SpaceX compared yes. to NASA which would win in a fight probably SpaceX right because um, Elon Musk I've seen him wield a hammer Right. Uh, when he's when he's testing his uh, unbreakable glass, I don't know if you saw his launch of his kind of um, his pickup, his big digger or something. All right, he has a launch a week, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Na- NASA are the kind of um, they're more geeky. They're very kind of problem solving. So uh, Hugh Laurie plays your captain. Yes, um, and he he looks fantastic. He's amazing. He, isn't he? suits a captain's outfit. He's sort he? of <laughs> captain's uniform. He sort of models himself on Sean Connery in Hunt for the Red October. That yeah, was yeah. the look he was going after. Um, who was that other guy that used to be in all the World War II films on Saturday mornings? The guy with the beard. Um, oh, what's his name? James. James Robertson Justice. Do you think he's a no. bit beardy? Yeah, he's slightly skinnier. Yeah, yes. Skinnier, he's a, yes. All right. Now, Rishi is famously reluctant to be in anything, but is in everything all the time. So, uh, is that for, is that for real or not for real? How do you how do you persuade the reluctant Laurie to be in another TV show? Uh, no, bless. I mean, he's very careful about what he does. He's. I think he was yearning to do something funny again. I worked with him very briefly on on Veep. He he sort of arrived in later episodes of Veep, and it was great fun. And he's a great comedy hero of mine. And I've always wanted to see him back doing comedy. Yeah. Um, and so, and and he had a good time on this, and he had a good time doing David Copperfield, which has also come out this week. Um, 
so I said to him, look, I want to do the space comedy. Would you, do you want to be the ship's captain? And his eyes immediately lit up. I think the child in him <laughs> thought, that sounds like fun. But he has, yeah. and he has such fun with it as yeah, well, yeah, doesn't yeah. he? Goodness yeah. me. I mean, how, you know, how do you get the most out of what's already a great line written down on paper? How do you not blow a great line? He's, a, he's got this tremendous ability to make a simple line like the word yes very, very funny by what he does with his eyes. I mean, it's bizarre things like that that you notice when you're in the edit. You know, the line that's meant to be the straight line, because there's a funny line coming up, yeah. is as funny as the funny line coming up just because of the way he delivers it. Okay, so you di you direct this and you, you yeah. co-wrote it and you direct it as well. Yeah. Now, the first time you directed anything, yes. is it just because you'd watched a lot of other directors and people? Did somebody just accidentally ask you to do it because they thought you'd I, done it before? I think you find a lot of comedy writers become directors because as you're writing it and even as you're sort of watching it, you're running it in your head. You know exactly where the funny should be and yeah, yeah. what it should look like and what the shot should be. So I think it's just inevitable that, that you then just want to direct but it can yourself. You, can you, though, when you first do it, or do you, do you fake it till you make it for quite a few weeks I, I, or I think months? you have to. Somebody told me the great secret is to sound like you know what you're talking about, <laughs> even if you don't. Because if you come on the set and you just go, um, right, uh, you, what's your name? Uh, oh, you're, yeah, Hugh Laurie. You just, you, you'll be found out by the crew. So you've got to come on, even though you don't have a plan, you've got to come on looking like you have a plan. And I think that's how most people get through life. Uh, so uh, we have series one of Avenue 5 this Wednesday. It's Sky 1, it's 10pm, and then there will be nine, um, if you finish them off in time. And um, and then there'll be season two as well, because you, that's already commissioned, so that's already definitely going to happen. It is absolutely hilarious i don't know what it's about really um <laughs> it's a bit crazy it's it's but it's just very very funny and it's it starts it's it starts crazy it gets crazier and I, I said to armando off the air i said you know how how goofy can it get before you leave yourself nowhere else to go and you you're about season uh, about episode, episode six. six yes there's a there's a beep that goes off a buzzer and they don't know where it's coming from but it goes off every one minute 15 seconds and they spend the entire episode trying to find it is that in it real off. time Do, are you is that a real-time episode you know it takes, takes over two or three days because nobody gets any sleep because of this <laughs> buzzer and and therefore the performances get slower and slower and woozier and woozier right. and the last 10 minutes is done very <laughs> so like this and what is the buzzer you obviously know what the buzzer is. i can't wait it's lovely to see you again Nice to be back. Okay, uh, thank you very much indeed. I'm Monday Iannucci, Avenue 5, Wednesday, 22nd of Jan, 10pm. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Dapper Day of the Reverend, <laughs> over to you. Our next guest has a trail of top 10 albums and singles in her wake. She's fresh from starring Dolly Parton's smash hit musical 9 to 5 and her fourth album Heavy Love hit the shelves last week. As ever on this show, we aim to please and it's no different today with the wonderful Louise. Nice, David. Very nice. Good morning, Lou. Hey. Right, so you are back, back, back. A brand new album and you said, I'm a bit nervous. I'm a bit well, nervous. You're allowed to be, aren't you? Heavy Love. Yeah, no, it, do you know, this one just means a lot. I think, obviously, I've been aware a long time and um, put quite a lot of blood, sweat and tears. The whole process of this album was so different to any others In what way? Um, I think I just really did it myself with, I mean, great people. I work with great people, but I was sort of in the past when I was sort of a lot younger, you turn up, you re record a record, you write a couple, you record some, yeah, you get yeah, sent, yeah. sent some from A&R. But this, the process was really just... Me. A bit more grown up. Yeah, a lot more grown up. <laughs> it was real. A lot. Oh <laughs> it my was proper. goodness me. <laughs> so how many songs do we get and uh, can you touch upon what they might or might not be about? Um, so, yeah, I mean, on, on the deluxe, there's 15. Um, 
All brand new songs. All brand new songs. Wow. Yeah, um, all written by myself and and sort of some the likes of Ray, Sinead Harnett, Egg White, Jack from Clean Bandit. There, there's a lot of great sort of current day songwriters and producers on there, um, along with a little bit of my life chucked in. Um, yeah, so. It's quite an honest album, if I'm honest. It's not a, a down album. It's positive, but incredibly honest. I well, think we talk, we talk about the positive and negative all the time. You have to have the negative to show you the positive. You have to have the positive to show you the negative. That's yeah. the way it is. And all I, all I could do when I went in to start writing was you can only sort of write about the place you're in at that time or the place you've been in. Yeah. Um, and sometimes a place where you'd like to get to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think the album's most probably the most... Honest album I've ever made. First album in 20 years. Did you ever think you'd do this again at one point? No, absolutely not. Tell us about that. Well, you, we, listen, we've known each other for years, haven't we? Yeah. And I, obviously, you, you have your kids and you're at home and you kind of think that's it. And then, um, yeah, I, I, if someone had said to me, I don't actually think I could have written this album 10 years ago. I don't think I would have had the confidence, been in the right place to actually be creative i think sometimes things have to change for the sort of creativeness to actually happen um and for the want and the fire and the passion yeah, and yeah. all that comes with making music so um yeah if someone had said to me 10 years ago this would be happening i would not have believed them and you can get stuck you can get stuck and you know when you so you have got to wait for something to snap or to to, to break or yeah. to 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 to, to, to you know, uh, come become free again. All uh, right, you're going on tour. When do you start your tour? Um, I go, I start on the 12th of March, Southampton, and we go right through to the 26th in London. All right, so Southampton, so Cardiff, Bristol, everywhere. Birmingham, Nottingham, Manchester, Leeds, Glasgow, Newcastle, Cambridge, London. It's a proper tour. It's a mini tour, but it's a proper tour, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a proper tour. So it's, uh, yeah, we've chosen great venues, actually. It, it's all about the band um, being completely live and just actually doing a proper old-fashioned gig. And I hear... You have elected, well, I saw it on the telly, uh, you volunteered, um, you want to, it is your wish to travel and stay on the bus with the <laughs> band, with the gang. Okay, now yeah. that's, that's, that's a good idea for the first night, second night, third <laughs> I don't night. Know. I'm gonna, do you know what it is? It, it's really hard when you've just done a gig together yes. and everyone gets on the bus yes. and then they think it's a good idea for you to go somewhere else. But I want to be with everyone else. And also... I have to fingers say, out, fingers out, <laughs> fingers, fingers out, out, fingers out, fingers out, fingers out, the mum fingers out. And let, let me just say this. <laughs> you you kind of make some of your best shows when you've had a great night, all of you together of before. You it's where the energy comes from and the atmosphere and you create an atmosphere well, on stage. You're moving as one then, aren't you? You do. And then I, I really do think the audience can feel that they're, Part of something that means a lot, and um, and obviously, how nervous are you about, about the tour? Because you you were a bit nervous about the situation, but to be honest, it's like um, somebody playing a really important football match. They're thinking about it beforehand, but once you're on the pitch, you're fine. You're fine now, aren't you? Yeah, you I, were nervous I'm when just, you were coming yeah, in. I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, this means a lot to me. I'm yeah. I'm super proud. I've never made an album that I'm so proud of and and to take it out on tour is what we do so i'm just gonna everyone keeps saying to me just enjoy this yeah, yeah. you know it's been a really long time coming just don't overthink it just go with it and enjoy it all right Lou. well we wish you all the best <laughs> thank you um, so much how, how much more of this nonsense are you doing so you've done james you've done us you've done yeah, other just, places a uh, bit more a bit yeah. more and yeah just fingers crossed <laughs> back in the groove back in the groove back in the groove <laughs> all right uh, let's tell you again louise's heavy love first album for uh, 20 years is out 
now and the current single uh, Hurt and the tour starts uh, and is booking now uh, starts 12th of March in Southampton that's a Thursday and it goes Cardiff uh, Bristol Birmingham Nottingham uh, Manchester Leeds Glasgow Newcastle Cambridge and London uh, finishes in London on the 26th of March that's a Thursday we could do a Thursday we could do a cheeky Thursday yeah. absolutely we? Cheeky we could Thursday. do a Thursday we could yes do a please cheeky Thursday that would be fine and Louise she's driving the bus she's making the food <laughs> and she's um, making the beds for all the people on the bus aren't you no I'm not <laughs> thank you Louise thank you <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio if you're after a book that covers everything from black holes and life on Mars to 3D printing and driverless cars then look no further unlocking the universe is out now and filled to the brim with facts that will make you say <gasps> no Milky Way please welcome a lady <laughs> that can navigate through space and time but really struggles with London traffic it's Lucy Hawking Lucy Hello. Hawking Hello. Okay. good morning how good are you morning. doing I'm very very well I'm so pleased to finally have got here I've blown in from another planet um, which is the other side of London planet <laughs> planet walking and here I am yes to discuss all these amazing things with you well what a lovely book and um, I've read, tried to read a couple of your dad's books um, this one I found a lot easier, which is the general idea isn't I think, it I think it says a 9 plus average yeah. reading, age, reading age I just about got there uh, it's much thicker than mostly dad books but it's a, it's, it's a right riveting read and it's brilliantly um, divvied up into different sections mm. uh, your introduction here uh, throughout my life I had the extraordinary privilege of spending time with talking to and asking questions of some of the world's greatest and most innovative scientists who were the friends and colleagues of my dad and my dad as well Stephen Hawking of course I got answers from people who knew what they were talking about about the baffling and thought provoking uh, things that made me angry and sometimes cry listening to the answers or asking yet more questions made me feel as though I could reach out and touch the magnificence of the universe um, like how for example how did it how how did you feel? Like that? How come you felt like that? Well, because my father could explain um, how we could understand enormous, great, distant, cosmic, violent events happening way over the other side of space, but how we could understand them from Earth. And that's really what, what this book is about. It's called Unlocking the Universe, because it's about the different ways that humans have used to increase our understanding of the universe, how we've travelled around the universe, how we've used astronomy, radio astronomy, space travel, robotic space travel and theoretical physics to unlock the secrets of the universe. And that was the sort of basis of really all those questions, all the questions that kids ask, like, is there anybody out there? Um, <laughs> can, I, can I go to Mars? What would it be like if I was on the moon? Um, so it's a kind of combination of questions from kids answered by really kind of distinguished, leading, interesting scientists. Okay, and it's brilliant because the more you know about something, the simpler, the more simply you can explain it, can't you? Well, well, they've done an amazing job. I mean, there's a huge diversity of scientific voices throughout this book, which comes from people that I knew through my father, or um, as I started doing the children's books, which all the essays come from the six book children's series. So I would start going to a lot of science festivals, um, listening to science, going to science lectures. And I developed this habit of kind of hiding in the wings to leap out at someone who'd just given a lecture and say, that was amazing. Now can you write it all again for kids? Yeah. Um, and to their credit, they all did. They, they have all done took it. the and challenge. It's, and it's, oh, amazing. I think it's a lovely book for kids to read, you know, for the 10 or 15 minutes before they go to sleep at night, because mm. it fills them with yeah. wonder, no fear whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's quite magical. But Europa. Okay, let's talk about Europa. So, um, you know, uh, in, in nine days' time, we leave the European Union, but we could all join Europa, couldn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, we could. We could all head off to Europa, which has, you know, a thick icy crust, and um, possibly some scientists think that maybe swimming around under that crust are uh, sort of alien extraterrestrials. So that actually means space dolphins, if you think about it. 
Um, and if there were space dolphins, you know, one of my scientists actually says in the book, the very eminent Lord Rees says, there could be space dolphins. And why would they want us to know they were there? Perhaps they are perfectly happy just swimming around what in do the you ocean. Th- what do you think? What do I think yeah. about aliens? No, what just what? Yeah, what do you think about all that? If you do, you, do you have a theory yourself? Do you have a thought about it all? Well, I think that the universe um, is so unimaginably immense. I mean, it's so huge, and we now know that there are so many. <clears throat> excuse me, planets in orbits around stars other than our sun, and so it seems likely that at least some of those planets will be in the habitable habitable zone from their star and so they could have liquid water on the surface they could very well have the conditions for life so i think personally i think it's unlikely that we are actually alone in the universe whether we actually make contact with an alien super race or otherwise is really another question and then of course we may also find simple life we may find sort of non-intelligent life welcome to the virgin radio Uh, right, so we talk about climate change in here, talk about different things in here. You know, one, two, three pages, uh, lovely pictures, lovely diagrams for the kids, fantastic for the kids, a great read for everyone. And I'm not just saying it because it is. I love this. I started reading this at quarter to four this morning because um, <laughs> you were coming in and, I thought, yeah. oh, no. and then I thought, no, it's time to make another pot of tea. Let's carry on. It's nice. Flipping nice. fantastic. Can I just say something to you about our climate change essay? Sure you I'm can, particularly yeah. proud of this. Yep. So this is written by a young writer. Um, Nitty was 15 when she wrote this essay and we thought it was particularly important to have this topic addressed by somebody who was a teenager who could really write about how it seems to them. So it wasn't just kind of older people telling younger people about climate change, but it was actually somebody from that generation saying, this is what it means to me. But, but, um, you know, what what have you gleaned from the brilliant brains that you have access to? as what we might be able to do about it, because realistically, the tide is just not going to turn. Well, that's very... um, It is a very um, negative outlook at the moment, and you have a lot of people saying, I think Prince Charles is going to be saying at Davos today, have we already passed the point of no return? And we have Greta Thunberg saying, you know, we only have eight years. But I... um, Obviously, I meet these amazing people. I see the way they work and their dedication and their brilliance and the um, extraordinary nature of the technology that these people are able to dream up and to implement. Um, And I have endless faith in the ingenuity of human beings. I do think we will solve it. But I do, as I said before, I think we just we need to be a bit more unified. We probably need to make changes to our lifestyles. Lucy, (laughs) we've realised you've got to go as well. Um, Can you come back and see us again? I'd love to. There's so much more we want to talk about. Anytime, and I'll I'll come on my bicycle next time. (laughs) Yeah, or I'll give you a lift or whatever. (laughs) Sounds good. Come come in early. Um, Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. What a lovely, lovely human being. Stephen and Lucy Hawking, uh, their book, Unlocking the Universe, is out now. Everything you need to uh, travel through space and time. And it's a crack of all the family. It's like a mini old-fashioned encyclopedia. It's brilliant is what it is. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's the fastest-growing online personal trainer on Earth, hell-bent on exposing the myths of the diet industry. His new book, Not a Diet Book, is out on Thursday, so here to not talk about diet and not talk about his book, please welcome the Gordon Ramsay of personal training. It's James Smith. Morning, James. Good morning, and thank you very much for having me on. All right, so so you come to us here live at the top of the tower uh, from Windsor via Australia, basically. 
That's correct. I like to uh, situate myself between Australia and, and the UK. Usually I try and do summer to summer. And I have a rule that if I wake up from a nap and it's dark outside, it's time to change hemispheres. So <laughs> that's, that's the way my body clock kind of works. Very so. simple philosophy. It involves thousands of miles and half the planet, but I get it completely. Yeah. So when did you start uh, having a right laugh? <laughs> uh, I've been doing that for about two years now. Right. And, um, for me, it's because I work online and the majority of my work I can do from my laptop. I like to subject myself to a nice, a nice working environment. So, right. Yeah. So former, former um, uh, personal trainer in in gyms, um, and then you. We've just had a massive chat off, off air. Uh, you realise well that that's maybe not the most efficient way uh, to get uh, a, a useful message across to people. So how do you do it now? So yeah, for about three and a half years on the gym floor, working in a gym in Bracknell, budget gym, doing my hours, 40 hours a week. And I realized I very much was having the same conversations over and over with people. Yeah. Calories, what to do, how to segment training, whatever it was. And I thought, if I put all of this online, I could help people. And that's when I started on social media. But I felt that even with Facebook and Instagram, your message can become very scattered. And I thought, okay, I'm going to create a platform and allow people to gain access to that, where at their own time, their own... Uh, kind of efforts they can start to learn because when I'm on the gym floor I could be explaining to someone why a high protein diet is important and suddenly my watch beeps and they're into their next set and then you're asking them about their weekend and then they're venting a little bit about oh you know my boyfriend's annoying me my boss is on my case and it's a very difficult place to get a message uh, across and there was times that I would bring a physical whiteboard to the squat rack so I could explain to them, you know, about macronutrients. Yes. And then I thought, why am I doing this online? Mm. So that's kind of the direction I took. Oh, what did you say on telly yesterday that's got you in the papers today? Uh, it was about fat shaming and using the word fat. And, you know, I, I said, I don't go around calling people fat. And the same way that if you're going to give a little bit of money to a homeless person, you wouldn't feel the need to say, you're really poor, mate. That's not it. But we can't tiptoe around using that word. Like I said at Christmas, I've gained fat. And... We need to, as long as we're addressing the solution and giving people the solution to it, that's fine. And instead of all conversations being around what we label people with, we need to work out a solution and educate people with what they need. And the underpinning factor behind every fat loss diet is a calorie deficit. And this message is becoming more and more lost as we go along. And if anyone's going to be shamed, it shouldn't be the people that are suffering with weight loss. It should be the people that are conning them with useless supplements and certain types of slimming coffees i mean there are teenagers now impressionable young teenagers having a cup of decaf before bed yeah. and thinking it's going to help them lose weight and i mean my my mum and my dad couldn't even tell you what a macronutrient is but they could tell you it's pretty daft to have a cup of decaf before bed in yeah. a bid to lose fat yeah. now your wife swears by james's word yeah, but just because you talk sense you talk about for instance how silly spin classes are just go out and cycle <laughs> and also the importance of sleep Big time. I mean, uh, I cannot think of any... I mean, the human race has been on the planet for a very long time, and the saddle has to be the least comfortable seat we have ever invented. And people are opting to sit on that for high-intensity exercise. I can't justify it to myself. But yes, sleep is something that I'm massive on. Um, I'm a real diva with my sleep now, and I prioritise it really high in life. Uh, we came down from uh, Glasgow last night. We had an event. And uh, I was I was stressing about it a little bit, thinking, oh, we're going to have to get up at 5 a.m. and fly. But we got a, a sleeper bus to come overnight, and it was amazing. I had a great night's sleep. And people can now see when I've not had enough sleep, they're like, oh, James, you're obviously a bit tired. Have a coffee, stay out of my way. But it's integral to fat loss, to muscle growth, to mood. Uh, and it's 
again, one of these kind of foundations that's being overlooked when we're saying to someone, oh, James, help me get fit. And I'm like, how's your sleep? They're like, no, 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 I, I didn't ask you that. I told you to get me fit. And I'm saying to people that without a, a good base of solid sleep and, you know, paying attention to that, then everything's going to fall by the wayside because sticking to your calories is going to be a lot harder. You know, adhering to eating the right foods becomes harder. And I don't think that, you know, that there's enough importance being driven into that. And that's why, you know, the, the whole idea of the book was to set these so that before someone's closed the last page, they're paying more attention to their sleep, their relationships, their work life. They're suddenly prioritizing all the things that are important. Then we look to build on top of that. And say someone read the book who's just had a child. By the time they read that, they understand that setting the foundations of those around and walking every day and hitting 10,000 steps would probably be a better first transitional phase than me giving her some HIIT workouts to do. Yeah. Especially if you're tired, if you've just had a child and you're, you're knackered from doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to get someone to jump around the front room for half an hour. I feel like we're, a lot of people are prescribing exercise based on what's right for them yeah. and not the people listening. So giving people those tools and, and letting them understand that they will burn more calories outside of the gym than in the gym. We have this thing at the moment where people seem to think they go to the gym to burn calories. I'm like, you're not a hamster on a wheel. You don't need to run a certain amount to go, oh, well done, mate, you can have dinner now. Instead, we need to be saying to people, you know, taking the stairs, walking up escalators, doing that over time will compound a better interest than you going to the gym for 30, 40 minutes and doing a few sets on the lap pull down. And what I would love is to go on the London Underground and see more people walking up the escalator because people are now having a shorter period of sleep, which is essential to get up early, to go to the gym, to wait for bits of equipment, <laughs> to get out the gym, shower, go to the escalator and stand still on it. And I'm stood there pulling my hair out, what's left of it, and going, your legs worked for the majority of your journey. When you saw the escalator, which arguably allowed you to go faster than ever before on your journey, you decided to stay still. Uh, James, that's all we've got time for, but you're brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you indeed. so much for having me. Um, so that was James Smith, not a diet book, lose fat, gain confidence, transform your life. And how do people get to you on Instagram? At James Smith PT. I wish there wasn't a PT on the end, but my mum and dad gave me a very common name. So I'll cross all socials at James Smith PT. All right, pal. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's been called one of the most sought-after thinkers in Silicon Valley and his New York Times best-selling book, Tiny Habits, The Small Changes That Change Everything, proves exactly why. So without further ado, please welcome a man we could all do with making a habit of. It's the wonderful <laughs> BJ Fogg. Good morning, BJ. Welcome, hey, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Okay, so it all starts with tiny. That's the overarching message. Tell us about that. Tiny habits. So I've been studying how behavior works for 20 years and the last 10 years, especially around human habits, and there's this breakthrough way I discovered that you can create habits quickly and easily, and it's called tiny habits. Okay, so it starts tiny. We started tiny, didn't we? That, that's the whole point. Yeah. Look, look, at, look how great some of us have become, not particularly this side of the microphone, but uh, your side of the microphone. So when you, <laughs> when you say tiny, um, this is something you discovered yourself in 2007. Yeah. Uh, was it a eureka moment? No, it was piece by piece. Right. Uh, first of all, looking at my own behavior model, I realized that if something is really, really small and easy to do, you don't have to rely much on motivation. Yeah. And relying on motivation is uh, not great because our motivation goes up and down. And so if you make it the new habit super, super small, then you don't get tanked by motivation swings. And so that was step one. Then later it's like, well, what's going to remind you to do the new habit, whether it's flossing one tooth or doing two push-ups or getting out your to-do list. And uh, there was an aha moment there where I realized 
when I was getting out of the shower one day and opening my underwear drawer. Easy now. Yeah, Easy. right. And I realized that what you could do is use an existing routine to remind you to do the new behavior. So yeah. brushing reminds you to floss. And in my own life, I know, peeing reminds me to do two push-ups when I'm at home. Oh. Okay, which is Bam. fair enough. Okay, so um, <laughs> we, we go on for the tiny is fast, tiny can start now, tiny is safe, uh, tiny can grow big. And the, all, the other thing about tiny is when you want to train, change a regime or, or improve uh, one or many aspects of your life, you know, you need time. And if you make yeah. the wrong decision, you start to do the wrong thing, you've sacrificed a load of time and you have to undo all that. But if you plant the right seed, which doesn't take a lot of space generally in your life, then the right things tend to grow almost of themselves. Right. Right. And one way to think about it, building on that analogy, is pick a tiny seed that you want and plant it in the right spot in your life. And one of the big keys in creating habits quickly is where does this new habit fit naturally? And if you can, just like a plant, if you plant it in the right spot and keep it nurtured, it will grow naturally. So give us, give us an example of some of the seeds, your, the seeds you planted personally oh and what they've grown into. And, and the things that have to fall away to make room for, the, for, for the, this new way of life um, that, that hopefully becomes automatic in an upward spiral as opposed to a downward spiral. Is that, is that something that happens almost so naturally you, you don't see it? Yeah, well, I'll give a few examples in my own life, some recent ones. I mean, over the years, I've probably created hundreds of new habits. And part of it is evolve your habits over time. So when a habit no longer serves you, let it go and do something else. So one of my habits that replaced my morning meditation habit was playing my recorder. I have a tenor recorder. I'm, I travel with a soprano. I didn't bring it into the studio or I'd torture you all with my <laughs> recorder playing. But in the mornings, in the dark, I sit there and I just play either just solid notes or scales or whatever comes to mind. And it's very relaxing and meditative for me. So that is a habit that if I just want to do a little bit, I can, but I generally go 15, sometimes 30 minutes where I'm just zoned out with the music and it's a great way to start the day. Um, and then there's a bunch of snacking habits I've created, um, just, you know, whether it's productivity, relationships, health, uh, being active. So when I'm in California, end of the day and I'm feeling like, oh, I really don't want to go to my home gym and work out, I just do a tiny version yeah. And I know that about three and a half minutes, I get on the air salt bike, which is like this torture device that you use <laughs> in uh, CrossFit, right? Everyone hates it. I like it, but I don't go that hard. So I'm lazy on it. But I know if I'm going along at three and a half minutes and I'm like, oh, I'm going to quit it for something shifts at three and a half. And it's like, no, I'm going to keep yeah. going. You know, so if you just break it down to make it so small and tiny, yeah, yeah. you avoid the resistance. Yeah. And you, it's almost like, you know, there's almost no excuse not to do it. Okay, now this, you know, what's great about this is tiny habits. It sounds like a gimmick, but it's not. <laughs> uh, because you read it and you think, no, this is sensible. This is not, you know, you're not trying to sell us double glazing here. This this works. The tiny habit things works. Uh, something we talked about on the show on Monday was instead of willpower, want power. So instead of willing yourself to be some way, want a, mm -hmm. a different way, and the will will almost come automatically yeah. in parallel. You know, one of the key things is to focus Focus on new habits you want, not ones you feel like you, you should, should have. Should. Yeah, the shoulds almost never become true habits. So 
match yourself, start where, where you want to start, and the change process will expand your horizon. So, for example, if you don't want to eat kale, don't eat kale. Don't make yourself eat kale. Start where you want, and over time, your taste will change, your ability will change, your motivation will shift, and you'll be more open to other types of healthy foods that right now you might go, oh, I yeah, don't want to yeah. eat that. Uh, if you can give us three take-homes for people listening now, they're listening in their car, they're listening at home, just give us three very useful things that we can employ immediately. Number one. Help yourself do what you already want to do. Number two, help yourself feel successful. So as you do the new habits, allow yourself to feel successful. And number three, don't delay. Just dive in. It's yeah. not as hard as you think. And just dive in and have fun and be playful. And just, um, it gets easier and easier. And don't believe the old stuff that doesn't work very well. Just dive in, play around with your behavior, and you'll figure it out and just keep going. And uh, do you know, I always find people who come in here and talk about things, if it's not the most important thing in their life, it's so much a better message. And I know it is important for you as a higher purpose and as a purpose generally, you know, every day getting up and breathing, inspiring, yeah. expiring and going to bed. But because you have everything else going on and this is just something you want to give, it's much more, mm. e it's mm. much easier to receive. Yeah, I feel so fortunate to bring it together now in this book. I mean, people have been asking me for years, where's your book? Where's your book? And I was busy doing research and other things and so on. And then, boom, like I described in the book, I had this dream one night that I was going to die. And my reaction to dying, I was, I was in a plane, I was going to go down, was, oh my gosh, it was deep, deep regret because I hadn't done this book yet. Bam, and then one thing led to another, and bam, wrote the book, stayed right on schedule. So for me, like you say, it's a mission. I'm a messenger to share this, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. Uh, thanks for being here. Brilliant Thank book, you. Tiny Habits, BJ Fogg. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast, and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.